0: The Secret Church Podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For the Secret Church 13 study guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC13. This is Secret Church 13, Episode 2. All right, let's start then with the fragility of life and the finality of death. Open fire hydrant. Here we go. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Eight general foundations about life and death. Number one, life is precious. Every one of us is created by God, knit together by God, at the height of His creation. And life is valuable. Every life is valuable. Your life, the life of every child, every man and woman, made, created, known by the Lord from the womb. Your life is valuable and precious, but it is also fleeting. Life is fleeting. Psalm 39, 4 and 5. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like, like grass. As for man, his days are like grass. You're here. You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes, James 4, 14. So don't be fooled, ladies and gentlemen. You are a mist that is here for an instant and then is gone just like that. As valuable and as precious as your life is, it's also fleeting, which leads to the next truth. Death is coming. We must all die, 2 Samuel 14, 14. It's the same for all, Ecclesiastes 9, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, the good and the evil, the clean and the unclean. Jonathan Edwards, in his resolutions, wrote that he was resolved to think much on all occasions of my own dying and of the common circumstances which attend death. Now, some people hear that and think, what a miserable way to live, to always think about Dying? Why live like that? Here's why. Because you need to be reminded on a daily basis that your house and your car and your bank account and your health and your job and your comfortable life guarantee you nothing in this world. We cling to the things of this world in vain. D.A. Carson said, whatever the church does, it should prepare its members to face death and meet God. Death is coming to us all. And the reality is death is often sudden. Jesus makes this point in Luke 13 when he describes two groups of people who died unexpectedly and tragically. And Jesus says the same thing could happen to you. You think about it. Millions and millions of people have died in natural disasters, tornadoes, cyclones, earthquakes. Others like my dad or Heather's mom have died as a result of heart attacks or sudden brain clots. And virtually none of them woke up on those days thinking this is going to be the last one. Death is often sudden, it's often surprising. The reality is, I am not, you are not guaranteed to make it through this night. Do we realize this? Death is often sudden, often surprising, but death is inevitably sure. The current death rate in the world is 100%. Over 150,000 people die every day in the world. John Piper said 100 people are dying every minute. If you could hear them all, you'd hear so many screams, you'd go insane. Only God can hear them all and not go insane. Now, seeing all of this, that death is tragic. This is not the way it's supposed to be. God created man and woman in Genesis 2 to live. But then as a result of sin, by the end of Genesis 3, we have a picture of death. This is tragic. Death is a tragic consequence of sin. In Genesis 3, and the picture only gets worse when you get to Genesis 6, and you see the flood, the wrath of God upon man and woman. It's described in Psalm 90. All Romans 5 says as a result of, as a result of sin's entrance into the world. So this is key, particularly for Christians. Obviously, we're going to talk about victory over death in Christ, but that doesn't mean that death in and of itself is to be celebrated. Death is a tragic consequence of sin in our lives and in this world. Even as Christians, we don't love funerals. No, we're frustrated to live in a world of funeral homes and abortion clinics and electric chairs. Death is a tragic consequence of sin in this world, and death is a tool of Satan. Hebrews 2 describes Satan as the devil as the power of death. Now, it's at this point that we need to realize that death is multifaceted, meaning the Bible talks about death in different ways. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 10. He says, don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So you see a difference here. Jesus is talking about the death of the body and the death of the soul. Similar way, Ecclesiastes 12, James 2, both... Reference the difference between our physical bodies and our spirits. We need to understand the different ways that the Bible talks about death. On one hand, the Bible talks about spiritual death, which is the separation of a person from God. Spiritual death. When man and woman sinned in Genesis 3, they were immediately separated from the presence of God that they had once enjoyed. Later, when you get to Ezekiel 18, you see the Bible talks about how the soul that sins shall die, but the soul that turns away from sin shall not die. That's obviously talking about spiritual death, not physical death. But then the Bible talks about physical death, the cessation of life in our physical body, physical death. Soon after sin enters the world in Genesis 3, we have a record of people dying physically, Genesis 5. But then keep going. There's one other way the Bible talks about death, and that's eternal death. So the eternal death is the finalization of separation from God, what Revelation 21 calls the second death, when those who are spiritually separated from God physically die, that leads to eternal death. It's the finalization of spiritual separation from God. So the Bible talks about spiritual life and death, physical life and death, and eternal life and death. Now, put those eight general foundations then together into four gospel exhortations. First, here's the bad news. Death is our universal enemy. It affects us all in every way here. Spiritual death, physical death. 1 Corinthians 15, 26, death is our enemy. The Bible teaches that we are all spiritually dead. We're born in our trespasses and sin. Every one of us is turned away from God to ourselves. We're spiritually dead in our sin. All of us, all 60,000 of us, dead in sin. When the Bible says that we're dead in sin, it doesn't mean kind of dead or almost dead or short of dead or halfway dead. It's dead, lifeless, without life. We're all in and of ourselves spiritually dead, and we will all experience physical death. As men and women in Adam, born as men and women in this world, we will all die, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. And as a result of our sin, the Bible teaches that we all deserve eternal death when we physically die. We are spiritually dead, destined to physically die, therefore deserving of eternal death. That's what Romans twenty-six twenty-three is talking about when it says the wages of sin is death. So this is the bad news. And it is eternally bad news. But there's good news eternally good news. It's why we call this day Good Friday. The good news is that death has been ultimately defeated, swallowed up in victory, 1 Corinthians 15 says. The gospel is the good news that Jesus has lived the life we could not live. Jesus has lived the life Spiritual life as a physical man that we could not live, a life of perfect, total obedience to God, without sin, no separation from God. But then, on Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, he died, which begs the question, if death is the penalty for sin, and Jesus had no sin, then why did he die? And I am glad you asked that question. Jesus has died the death we deserve to die. He died in our place. Romans 5, 6. While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person. Perhaps for a good person, one might dare to die. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. He died for us. You paid the price of spiritual, eternal death on the cross, in our place, on our behalf, by, on our behalf. So it's glorious news. But it's not even the end of the story. He's lived the life we couldn't live. He's died the death we deserve to die. And Jesus has conquered the enemy we cannot conquer. He has risen from the grave in victory over sin and death. Hebrews 2, through death, He destroyed the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and has delivered us from the fear of death. So hear this, hear this. This is the answer to the greatest problem in your life. Whether you think this is your greatest problem or not, this is the answer. How can you, a sinner, spiritually dead, destined to physically die, deserving of eternal death, how can you be made right with a holy God forever in your sin? Separated from him, no amount of of good you can do, no matter how hard you try, can nullify the reality that you're separated from God. But God loves you. He has created you precious and valuable in His sight. And even though you have sinned, He has sent His Son as a sacrifice for you so that you can be saved forever. So that when you die, when you face judgment for your sin before a holy God, the price for that sin will already have been paid. And by faith in Christ, you will stand before God, not condemned in your sin, but cleansed of your sin. And you will live with Him forever and ever. So then, the decisive question is clear for every single person listening to my voice, every single person in all of history. Your eternal life and eternal death hinges on this question. Will you turn from Jesus? Will you turn from Him? Will you choose to live without Christ now in this world? And in so doing, will you choose to die without Christ forever? Second Thessalonians 1 says that those who turn from Christ will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord from the glory of His might. And it makes sense. If you're spiritually separated from God when you physically die, whether that's tonight or later this year or ten years from now, you will die separated from the only one who can reconcile you to God and give you eternal spiritual life. Apart from Jesus, what will you have staked your life on that will save you on that day when you die? Your money, your job, your health, all the awards you've received, all the goals you've achieved? I urge you not to put your eternal hope and the temporary things of this world that are going to burn up in the end. See it. For the non-Christian, for the man or woman who turns from Christ, death remains an eternally dreaded enemy. Eternally. Revelation 20 says, dreaded enemies. So will you turn from Jesus or, or, or will you trust in Jesus? Will you trust in the one who loves you and gave himself for you, Galatians 2? Will you die with Christ now? Meaning, turn from your sin and yourself. Die to your sin and yourself. Confess that you need Christ to save you from your sin and yourself and restore you to God to give you new life. Will you die with Christ now and consequently live with Christ forever? By faith in him, his life becomes your life. His eternal life becomes your eternal life. And when this happens, oh, see this. When this happens for the Christian, death becomes a surprisingly helpful friend. Just as it was for a thief on a cross 2,000 years ago to whom Jesus said, you're about to die, but today you will be with me in paradise. Just as Stephen knew as he was being stoned and he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing ready to welcome him. Just as Paul said, for me to live as Christ and die is gain. I, I think often about uh, Casey, a member of this church. The epitome of health on the outside. Muscular fit, worked out, had a precious wife and daughter. One day, a few years ago, right before Thanksgiving, stomach started hurting. And it didn't stop for a couple of weeks. We went to the doctor, they ran some tests, and they discovered cancer in his stomach planned a day to operate. They opened up his stomach and the doctor saw cancer that had spread literally throughout his entire body, so much so that the doctor didn't do anything. He just closed Casey's stomach back up. When Casey woke up, the doctor told him, his wife, and their little girl, it's too much. There's absolutely nothing we can do. And within a couple of weeks, Casey's life was gone. And just like that, two months from a stomach ache. Now, I remember when I got the call that Casey was in the hospital and likely wouldn't make it through the day, and I went to the hospital with a member of his small group, and I was right in the hospital, and I kept thinking to myself, what am I going to say? What do, you, what do you say to a guy who's in this situation? i sorry this has happened to you. I wish this was not the case. But the people who came into Casey's hospital room that day were pretty surprised by what they saw. You see, when you walked into Casey's hospital room that day, you saw a guy sitting on a hospital bed, literally his deathbed with a genuine, authentic smile on his face. And he would look at everybody who walked through that room, that door, and he would look at them and he'd say, with that smile on his face, he would say, I'm going to be with Jesus today. All of a sudden, I'm sorry just doesn't seem appropriate anymore. (laughs) Neither does I wish this wasn't the case. You actually walked out of that hospital room that day a little bit jealous, thinking I'd like to go with him. You see, for Casey Black and for everyone who is truly trusted in Jesus, you know that because you've put your faith in the one who's conquered death, you have nothing to fear. Don't turn from Jesus. Turn to Jesus. I urge you tonight, if you've never done so, to turn to Jesus. And to know that regardless of whatever decision you make, hear this, the definitive conclusion, death is not the end. Hebrews 9, 27, just as it appointed for man to die once and after that, after that, so there's more after death. The Bible makes clear, death is only the beginning. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right before he was executed by the Nazi regime, wrote in his journal, oh God, this is the end for me, the beginning of life. And the rest of tonight, we're gonna explore what happens after death, after that after this brief mist called life. So- Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.